Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Friend, the information I'm about to share with you today could be considered controversial in some circles, but it's the truth nonetheless. We will not shy away from the truth that's long been held in the oracles of God and notable historical manuscripts that were also found within the Dead Sea Scrolls, corroborating the biblical account. Having scoured the Old and New Testaments, the writings of the early church fathers, the Book of Enoch, and several other historical texts, I'm going to reveal to you today precisely how the giants came about in the ancient land of Israel and its surrounding nations. However, not only that, were you aware that there were giants discovered in numerous burial mounds within this nation also? I know some of you have probably fallen off your chair after hearing that. But the Bible says in Proverbs 18.13, He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. So friend, if you think this is all nonsense before you hear the matter, you've been labeled a fool by the word of God. What I'm about to share with you is the truth, friend, whether or not it's hard for you to hear. In fact, what I'm going to reveal to you is rejected by most seminaries and Bible schools today. But friend, they're flat out wrong because they've chosen the path of compromise rather than the literal interpretation of God's holy word. The view I'm about to share was held by traditional rabbinical literature by the accounts of the urbane Jewish historian Josephus Flavius, the Septuagint, and the majority of the early church fathers, including Philo, Justin Martyr, Arrhenius, Tertullian, and Ambrose, and of course, the Holy Bible itself. Now, Aldous Huxley once said, He who controls the present controls the past, and he who controls the past controls the future. What a profound statement. Truth is often kept under wraps in almost every facet of humanity, and the devil seems to keep it that way. What if I were to tell you that even within this nation of the United States, the skeletons and bones of giants have been replete throughout this land and are of monumental proportions? Within this nation, the bones of giants up to 12 feet tall have been found in archaeological digs and large mounds in the past two centuries, but especially in the 19th century. In Ohio in 1872, an earthen mound was discovered to contain three skeletons that in life would have stood at least eight feet tall. Each also had a double row of teeth in front as well as in the back of their mouth and in both the upper and lower jawbones. Then in 1870 in Indiana, a nine foot eight inch skeleton was excavated from a mound near Brewersville. During World War II, author Ivan T. Sanderson tells of how his crew was bulldozing through sedimentary rock when it stumbled upon what appeared to be a graveyard. In it were crania that measured 22 to 24 inches from the base to the crown, nearly three times as large as an adult human skull. Had the creatures to whom these skulls belonged been properly proportioned, they undoubtedly would have been at least 12 feet tall or even taller. But why, friend, are these bones not on display in our local museums? 
Good question. Perhaps because tangible evidence of giants in our land would directly oppose the modern-day evolutionary academic narrative. And unfortunately, these 19th-century findings, which corroborate the biblical record, have been surreptitiously obfuscated or hidden from the public eye. Researchers have discovered 30 to 40 independent historical records of giants being found in this nation within the last 200 years. And 99% of the general public is seemingly oblivious to the reality of giants, not only abroad, but on these very shores. What if I was to tell you that Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, also harbored the same view that giants roamed this ancient land? When he visited Niagara Falls for the first time, he was awestruck by its power and beauty, and he then went on to make this statement, and I quote, Niagara Falls, it calls upon the indefinite past, when Columbus first sought this continent, when Christ suffered on the cross, when Moses led Israel through the Red Sea, nay, even when Adam first came from the hand of his maker, then as now, Niagara was roaring here. The eyes of that species of extinct giants, whose bones fill the mounds of America, have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Friend, did you catch that? Even old Abe testified to the existence of giants within this nation, and it was well understood that deep within large mounds strewn all across the country, they contained the bones of these gargantuan species. But Lincoln is not the only person of historical notoriety who has documented giants down the centuries. For example, the Romans described a 17-feet-tall Celtic giant whom their legions fought, and other explorers who've encountered giants on their travels include Sir Francis Drake, Amerigo Vespucci, and Coronado de Santo. Indeed, within my home nation of Great Britain, the storybooks are filled with tales of giants and legends from Cornwall to Scotland. And what if I were to tell you that our very own Buffalo Bill Cody here in Colorado, who was born in the latter half of the 1800s and lived into the early 20th century, was also a believer in ancient giants due to an experience he encountered firsthand. During a trip to Niobrara County in Wyoming, one night some Pawnee Indians brought some extremely large bones into the camp, one of which was identified as a thigh bone. The Indians present described how the very bone that Cody witnessed was once part of a race of giants whose size was about three times that of a normal Indian man and was so fast and powerful that these giants could run alongside a buffalo and take the animal up in his arms as they ran. Sounds pretty crazy, right, friend? The reality is there has been a seed war occurring on this earth from the very beginning. This seed war commenced in the Garden of Eden and it began in Genesis 3.15 where God delineated between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman right after he'd cursed the serpent. And let me read that text for you now. Verse 15. And I, God, will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The obligatory question then becomes, who is the Father God speaking about when he describes the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent? Well, the first answer is simple. The seed of the woman is Jesus Christ. He bruised the head of Satan and brought him to naught at the cross of Calvary through his subsequent death, burial, and resurrection. This is orthodox doctrine, my friend, and should never be refuted. Scholars are in complete harmony with this assessment of the text. However, few realize that the seed of the serpent actually manifested on several occasions in history, but especially in the time period prior to Noah's flood and shortly thereafter. 
The purpose of Satan's seed was to corrupt humanity, morally, spiritually, and physically, in order to prevent the birth of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, who has come to redeem all humanity from sin. And friend, the literal seed of the serpent was actually manifested in the form of giants that once roamed this earth. Giants did indeed roam the earth for thousands of years, and few people wish to consider this. Giants were mentioned in the Bible in the form of several tribes, which included the Amalekites, Anakims, Emims, Harim, Rephaim, and Zamzumim, and a whole host of others. There's several individual giants mentioned, actually, by name, from Og of Bashan, whose bed was estimated to be anywhere from 9 to 13 feet, to the infamous Goliath of Gath, who fought David the shepherd boy. So the question then becomes, how exactly did these giants originate? And this, my friend, is where things get controversial to some people, but I want you to stick with me. Let's read the passage together that reveals the origin of these giants. That's Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and took them as wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years." There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now, there's a common misconception floating around that began in about the 5th century AD, stating that the sons of God were from the godly lineage of Seth, but nowhere in the Old Testament are believers called the sons of God. Friend, the sons of God in the Hebrew language is Benai Elohim, and this same term is used in the book of Job and Luke 20.36 to describe the angelic hosts, but never man. Dr. I.D.E. Thomas says on page 66 of his book, Omega Conspiracy, and I quote, In the Old Testament terminology, angels are called the sons of God, while men are called the servants of God. In the New Testament, this is reversed. Angels are the servants, and Christians are the sons of God. He goes on to say, what began as history ended up as legend. Speaking of the giants. It clearly states, the sons of God, who were rebellious or fallen angels, took wives forcibly against their will. These giants of antiquity were therefore the resultant offspring of an unsanctioned and ungodly union of fallen angels and reluctant earthly women. But that's what the Bible clearly reveals. Indeed, this controversial activity of the sons of God forcibly taking wives was also mentioned in the Apostles' Creed of all places. Friend, Jesus did say angels couldn't marry, but that's in heaven, not earth. Angels can even today take on the appearance of men and this is described in Hebrews 13:2. The punishment for these fallen watcher angels visiting the earth was to be forever bound in Tartarus, the lower parts of hell, for a transgression that was unforgivable in the sight of God. In fact, the Bible speaks explicitly of this in Jude 6. And the angels, that's these fallen angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. 
These angels' ancient excursion into the earth corrupted all flesh, and whose offspring are the giants of which I speak. The Book of Enoch describes their entrance into the earth via Mount Hermon on the Syrian and Lebanese border in a time before Noah's flood. The Book of Enoch, however, is not the inspired or infallible word of God like the Holy Bible, but it does serve as an historical account and is actually quoted in the Bible in Jude 14. It was also found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And did you know that Jesus, Peter, and Jude all quoted from this book of Enoch? So it's a credible source. You see, God saw the wickedness of man and the hybridization of these angels with women as the reason for all flesh becoming corrupted in Genesis 6.12. The reason God ordered mass cullings of specific tribes after the flood was to in fact rid the earth from this seed of the serpent which sought to corrupt the progeny of mankind and prevent the immaculate birth of Christ the Messiah, which was the literal fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 as the seed of the woman. In Genesis 6-9, Noah is described as perfect in his generations, but we certainly know that he had moral flaws. The word perfect here in the Hebrew is tamim, which means Noah was physically perfect, without blemish, and not corrupted by the DNA of these fallen watcher angels. Friend, listen to me. Some of this might sound absolutely outlandish, mystical, or Disney-like, but the trouble is the church has been so dumbed down today, we really take the time to pick up our Bibles, let alone any other book of interest, and our treasured history is on the verge of being lost to the ages. So when someone like me shares some of these salty, albeit well-researched truths, I get labeled as a fanatic. Like I've said before, don't believe me. Do your own research, and I think you'll find out it matches what I've discovered. This topic is so vast, friend, I will no doubt cover it at a later date. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button 